0: Hello
1: and welcome to the Overland Journal podcast. I am your host, Scott Brady, and I'm here with my illustrious co host matt scott
0: i'm here to be opinionated today
1: <laughs> just today yeah so all of the just other today po- just all of the other podcasts that was, was not nothing opinion- that was nothing because today we're
0: talking about evs and one of them is a hummer <laughs> and i've taken my gloves off
1: <laughs> so stay tuned folks this is yeah. it's going to get uh, rowdy on the overland journal podcast yeah
0: and a special thanks
1: to nimble vehicles for supporting this week's podcast Nimble Vehicles has been the leading manufacturer of extreme expedition vehicles since 2019. The Nimble Evolution is the ultimate vehicle for beginning overlanders and extreme adventurers alike. The proprietary lightweight aluminum flatbed, combined with a luxurious habitat, allows you to confidently go where others only dream of. Built on any one-ton chassis or larger, with an off-roading package, 75 gallons of fresh water. Over 1,000 watts of solar, and over 1,000 amp hours of lithium ion batteries. You can expect to be off the grid for extended periods of time. To find out more information, visit nimblevehicles.com online, or you can email info at nimblevehicles.com for more information. Thanks again, Nimble. Talk about a couple of things today before we get started. First of all, we, we like to showcase small businesses. On occasion. Uh this is a fun one. So this is high road. They make like it's pretty much like a fire. Yeah, it's a
0: firewood carrier. Firewood carrier. It's but, really nice. Yeah. Um, we took one to Alaska actually. We bought it at the Northwest over in Rally. We didn't have one. We were under the impression that we were gonna have campfires and we didn't know we were walking into bug apocalypse. You know, it was floating around in this box on the back that we called a shed for ten thousand miles, probably yeah. two thousand miles of dirt. Looks great. Yeah. And it has this little skirt almost that you kind of cinch in when, when you put your firewood in and it keeps all of the crud from the firewood that, you know, like when you're going down the road, like the firewood might just be like, let's say you're buying stuff from a gas station, usually pretty clean. You get stuff from the campsite you were just at because, yep. you know, you're scavenging or whatever. And you do need to be mindful of where you transport firewood. That's a big thing in the West, actually, yep. everywhere now. So keep that in mind. But it just keeps all the crud as you're as it's going down the road. Yep. You know, stuff, little little bits and pieces break off and dust gets created and organic matter kind of goes everywhere. It keeps it all together and it's really nice.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, – and it's made in the USA. It's a small business. It's just kind of a fun story. The guy who started the business, he actually was my sister's neighbor. He meets my sister because he gets her copy of Overland Journal and he walks yeah, over to the awesome. house. You know. And, and uh, so it's just kind of fun to see small businesses like this pop up. You could also use it as, a, as an entry mat to a tent. Yeah. Um, you could use it as, as kind of a rollout uh, mat for working on your car. It's got some cool features. So yeah, high road Nice job on that. It's nice, yeah, nice cool little product. gadget. Yeah, totally. And speaking of cool little gadgets, what's what's been new for you recently? Any <laughs> any interesting little trips or events? Or we
0: went to this Porsche event called Luftgekult. Yeah, um, and that basically just it, means air cooled auf Deutsch.
1: All I heard was "cult" at the end.
0: Uh Yeah, yeah, cool cooled. <laughs> yeah, so it's put on by Patrick Long, who is a well now former. Porsche factory race driver. I think he was the longest serving factory driver for Porsche. Started and finished his career with them. The guy eats, sleeps, and breathes Porsche. And this is the eighth Luftgekult. And it's basically, a—I would call it an artistic assembly of air-cooled Porsches. Um, and what air-cooled Porsches are is they're older Porsches, pre-1998, 911s. Um, 914s, 912s, you know, then you get into the race cars, the 917s, 908s, and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But, anyways, that, the cylinder is actually cooled by air. So they have little fins on them. And they're really, they're this kind of, a, a lot of people would call them, you know, mechanical works of art. For um, sure. They're, they're beautiful. They're, they're very simple in their engineering but very elegant Um, and there's this huge huge crazy following for air-cooled porsches that's my latest thing that i've kind of gone down the rabbit hole on yeah i mean the one that you have is just gorgeous yeah yeah i mean i i I love that car so it's so
1: simple too it doesn't it's not flashy it seems very honest and it seems like it would be a good investment I mean, I don't know anything about them, but...
0: There's definitely people that, you know, play in the, the automotive investment space in Porsches. I think it's it's a large enough community. You kind of have a Porsche for everyone. And I think what it comes back to is that they're still functional vehicles. Yeah. Old jaguars are, fan, are are beautiful, but yeah. they don't really work that well. That's right. Old triumphs, they don't really. well, just British stuff doesn't really work that well from from the period where the German stuff it works. It's still drivable. It, it's it's very much like almost like the Land Cruiser community. I feel like people are drawn to Land Cruisers because they want to actually use the vehicle, not just appreciate it as a as a status item or a, sure. or a piece of art. Cute Land Rover <laughs> in the background. Cute rock. <laughs> Backdrop, but, but but there's yeah. a lot, there's no, a there's lot a, going on. There's a reason but, why, there's why it's a lot of, parked, parked yeah, as art I, in the car. You know, I area. love Land Rovers and I love <laughs> British cars and and all that kind of stuff. But you know, the, I I think uh, there's just all of these fascinating people that are into air cooled Porsches, and it's one of those events that sells out, and people are yeah. trying to you know buy tickets off the off the Porsche black market or yeah, sure <laughs> or whatever. There's cars that were built in a garage there that people appreciate just as much as some you con- know, concourse ready yeah. yeah yeah so i mean you know bruce meyer had his he's the chairman of the peterson foundation and he had his his new rsr i think it was a 73 rsr that hurley haywood drove that's a hugely historic significant car worth i don't even know the squillions yeah, squillions sure, sure you know and that's on display and then there's like a porsche 908 there and then you're walking around and you're talking to the people that have history with these cars you know there's a few thousand people that go to the event i think they purposely kind of cap it and um boy it was great i i I went with auto car club my buddy eli there that that owns that and it it was kind of cool to to be able to dive into that world um with people that have been in it for a Mm -hmm. while yeah that was super fun i've never seen more Leicas there i've never seen Well, one, I've never seen an event where there were just so many cameras. They kind of, one of the guys that helps put it on, Jeff Swart, is a commercial director, photographer, has done a lot of work for Porsche and all these things. And he sets the cars up in a almost cinematic way. Like he's creating a scene for people to interpret in their own way to photograph. And there's no like competition. There's no whatever. It's just all of these fantastic photos happen from this event. It was cool to see Leica's outnumber anything else like maybe i saw a canon yeah the guy's actually working the show taking real photos (laughs) they're the ones that had canons and nikons and sony's but yeah sure all the other guys that are just there kind of hanging out and it's a passion thing for them for sure um that was really cool well and speaking of that i think that that's that's yeah yeah i finally i finally i finally gave the boot to canon not for any particular reason other than the new leica sl2 is just I, I really like it. It's gorgeous. The the it's lenses gorgeous. are class leading. And I think that's the big thing that I like with Leica is that you can invest in a lens and they raise the prices each year. You can keep a lens for 10. I've i I've like lenses I've had for 10 years that I bought for a couple hundred bucks used, but the market is kind of always moving up on them. Yeah. So they don't get this digital. The lenses themselves don't get this digital rot. You know, Now I went and I bought a bunch of new Canon EF glass and a 5D Mark IV for my last camera. And it's like all useless because everything's switched to R and yeah, they have adapters and that kind of stuff, but it's the next best thing, right? So with the L Mount Alliance, which is Sigma, Panasonic, and Leica for their mirrorless SLR style cameras, Mm -hmm. I know they're not SLRs, but I mean, what, what else would you call the form factor? You have your range finders and then you have your just mirrorless cameras. Yeah, they I call guess. them mirrorless. Um, you know, that kind of gave me the confidence to uh, to step into that system. What do you think of the image quality so far? Fantastic. You know that it's. I was impressed
1: with how long of a reach your TeleZoom had.
0: Yeah, ninety to ninety to two eighty. So I've never I, I seen
1: went, that number on a Leica class before. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sure
0: that they've made them. I've it's just, heavy, and you could you could. Yeah, it looks chop wood with it. It looks like it. Uh, use it as a hammer. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean I have the 514 which in like a world is a Sumalux and it's it's huge. It's huge. I mean it's yeah. like the size of like one of the big bean cans <laughs> but then taller. Yeah. That lens just sees in the dark and and the way the all of the lenses are apochromatic APO I think I'm yeah sure I think I'm enunciating that right but it means basically that when you shoot them wide open the contrast on them is just absolutely right. wonderful for me just taking pictures of porsches and stuff in my garage and you know my Your travels dog, and, sure. and my dog. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean the image quality of of my dog's Instagram. <laughs> all five people that in my family that follow it, yeah, um, has gone up dramatically. So, <laughs> but um, you want to do more shooting again? Yeah, which is I want to. I want to so. get 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 back into some of that yep. stuff. So it's about finding the tool that inspires you to actually kind of get out there and yep. and do it. They don't make sense, but I'm not looking for something that makes sense. That's, and that's like that's a, art. It's so, art. Yeah. So. Art doesn't have to make sense. Yeah. So that's been kind of my my latest rabbit hole. And then nice. finding all of the vintage Rimowa Tropicana cases for everything to go in. Rimowa is now the, the, the bougie luggage company. But before they were in many ways kind of like the German Pelican. Yeah, sure. I don't know, know how else to say it. And they had this Tropicana line, which was, you know, cases for cameras and sensitive equipment and whatever. Sure. And with the exchange rate being crazy good right now buying stuff out of europe i've been snagging these cases for not that much more than what you'd pay for pelican cases in there right awesome
1: it's an incredible camera it's so neat to see it yeah it's just
0: simple like i don't know how to use like the five million buttons that are in the back of the canon i use like the menu button i use the play button and then they have like a function button there's three buttons on the back of the leica that's it. That's it. That's all you that's, need. That's kind of their thing. Don't overcomplicate. Um, it. you know, and also spending most of my time with the rangefinders and and in that like a kind of menu ecosystem or whatever, just how things work. Yeah.
1: All makes sense to you.
0: Yeah, it all makes sense. Cool. I do Nice. Know. What are you doing? What's your what's your gadgety obsession?
1: Well, I would say that in all reality, it has been to reduce the number of gadgets. That okay, has, so we're
0: on different programs, but yeah. that <laughs> has been my that has been
1: my approach for probably.
0: You've been on that for a while. Yeah.
1: Now. Well, definitely, definitely several years, but it just feels like it's ramping up because we we know that when you own something, it owns a part of you too. Okay. So the number of vehicles that you have or the number of things that you have, they all require a degree of attention to keep them in good condition and or you feel obligated to use
0: it or Yeah. And sometimes if you don't use them, they just kinda like they they quickly deteriorate. They really do. Even
1: my camera kit is is really dwindled down and yeah. I've I've got it into like a just a small little zipper case mm. that has everything that I need. In order to capture the images that I need. And then a small video production kit that I use when I'm in the field. So that feels good to just have that really minimized. And I've just gotten rid of a ton well,
0: of and, stuff. And you're you're going to get back to traveling like That's you That's the used thing to. for
1: me is I want to be able to leave without those encumbrances. Yeah. And I mean, I really do take an enormous amount of joy out of the sailboat. That's
0: definitely become, I think, become I think my think hobby. Stuff is a problem when it doesn't give you experiences. Yeah, true. So true. Um, so true. Um so just just like I kind of reversed course on a lot of the like car collecting, mm-hmm. uh, motorcycle collecting thing that I was on. You know, I made some money on it. It
1: served you well, yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I I bought the right stuff at the right time and, you know, I like to think I got rid of a lot of the stuff at the right time. But this it, it didn't it didn't serve any purpose cuz you couldn't really you couldn't go out and, you know, put 20,000 miles on a car or something. You know, you're kind of trying to preserve or increase the value of something. And that's yeah. really been a thing during the pandemic. We saw like a frenzy. It was crazy. Anything automotive of, of people just collecting stuff. It was crazy. To collect stuff because they couldn't have the experiences. And what's yeah. the next best thing for serotonin is to have that little quick hit Some of buying something. Gadget. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: So that's been it's been good to just kind of. Realize how little I need, and trying to keep working on that. I find that for me, that is Mm. really helpful. It's it's really positive for me. For me, yeah. So because time is, I realize that time is something that I'm very precious with now. So I mean, we
0: should talk about buying more cars now.
1: We should. In fact, we got to talk about EVs. The whole EV thing somehow has become politicized, which makes no sense to me. Yeah, (laughs) it's like how COVID became. I mean, it's like, do you think that the virus cares who you voted for? Yeah.
0: But somehow- Identity politics are a bit of an issue.
1: It is. And and so both you and I feel, because we're both very moderate folks, we both feel like it's very ridiculous that, yeah. that we have to um, either do a bunch of signaling or a bunch of shaming. The reality is, is that EVs have now become a politically charged subject. But we really want to talk about how they work in reality. The majority of people that I've encountered that have a negative opinion of EVs have never driven one. That always makes me very suspect. Um, when you drive one, it is a very
0: unique and oftentimes positive experience. I'll two my on horn. I've had some of the nicest pickup trucks you can buy. I've had a TRX, I have a Prospector XL right yeah. now. Like, yeah, I've like, had a Raptor. Yeah. The, the Rivian makes them feel like a horse and buggy. Yeah. It's no question. I'm not saying that I'm ready personally for an EV. I've got to tow a trailer with race car and that kind of stuff. It just doesn't work for me right now. It will. But the Rivian is really special. Yeah, like for sure. I sat for like a half hour just underneath that car because you can put it into like your your highest mode. and has 15 inches of ground clearance. I don't have that on 40s in my PXL. Yeah. And you can just crawl underneath it and just like look at it and you're like. Have you ever looked been underneath a McLaren? You can see same some, engineers, s- yeah. a lot of the same engineers, and, yeah. and how how modern the manufacturing is. Yeah. There's a lot of extrusions. There's a lot of you know everything's aluminum to keep to keep weight down. It's also incredibly smooth. Yeah. So just something to hit underneath.
1: Something from a practical perspective that I encountered uh, was in the mud when I w- went with Bruce Storm and we went up towards the Grand Canyon. We were in this muddy, rutted area. And there were times that we were dragging the underside, but there is nothing to hang up. Catch on. So it it's just kind of sliding like a, like a sled yeah. across any uneven surface or any high point of mud. And it would be the same thing in the snow. It would probably work brilliant in deep snow as long as you could air the tires down enough. Yeah. Because it's heavy, it is a heavy vehicle. You can tell immediately how smooth the undercarriage is. There's no no prop shafts, no transfer case, nothing hanging down, no frame rails hanging down. they just simpler.
0: I Super know that the, the technology in... So, so here's an interesting conversation to have. Overlanders are all about simplicity. Yeah. You know, historically, that's been the case. We tend to gravitate towards vehicles we can work on ourselves. Maybe that's going to go out the window. But you look at a, a Land mm-hmm. Cruiser, an Africa spec Land Cruiser. There are so many more components on that vehicle than on an EV. Yeah, I mean, think of every needle bearing inside of the engine. Think of every little component oh, yeah. that goes in. All it. the
1: sensors, this everything, all the, all the fluids that are required, and that you got to keep inside the engine or keep inside a yeah. transmission or whatever. Consumer Reports, and this is an important note in this conversation. Consumer Reports is following this closely, and they've already determined, and these are early. EVs, which are not going to be as reliable as once they get to higher production volumes, they're already fifty percent less maintenance and service. Yeah, fifty percent less. Hundred percent. I mean, it, an it is a internal
0: combustion car. It is the future.
1: The Rivian had one fluid to top off, and that was the windshield wiper fluid.
0: Interesting. I know some evs have a um like some of the mercedes evs that i've looked at they have like a, a hydronic heating cooling system to to heat the batteries and cold environments. they do they so, do and they're fully sealed yeah yeah and you don't have to mess with them like, there's nothing to check they're a lot simpler they There's are there's like a couple of rotating components i know that a lot of them have you know gearboxes and you know we're still going to have Some of them do, and that's probably what makes the Rivian so
1: unique. Is that because it has four motors, it really has these four motor drive units, and then it has four CVs Mm -hmm. that have to turn as well. Uh, And that's kind of it. Yeah, there's no transmission, no transfer
0: case. It's it's just it's going to be fascinating to me. Like I think you know when you're looking at the truck space, how complicated. You know, you have this def injection system. You have the EGR. You have all of these to make them viable in a modern environment and world, they've had to overcomplicate these engines so much to the point where they're going to overcomplicate themselves into obsolescence.
1: Yeah. Especially as people realize how simple EVs are. But it's also important to note that there are going to be applications, um, even for us as overlanders, where an EV does not make sense anytime in the near future. And that's, so, for example, if you wanted to cross the canning stock route mm. right now, you couldn't do that in an EV unless you brought along a trailer that had a giant generator in it with a bunch of fuel. You couldn't do it yeah. in today's day, in yeah. today's age. You know, so, people will say, ah, bring along solar. When you do the calculations of the amount the of solar... air that you would have <laughs> yeah, to have? You couldn't carry it. You couldn't carry it. You couldn't actually it. bring it in the vehicle. It's so It would be so ex- extensive to charge the vehicle. So... There are absolutely applications. Try to cross Africa uh, with an EV. You're just not going to be able to find the consistency. Yet. yeah.
0: You know, I think. As, so right
1: now, right now, that's not the case.
0: I think as the cost of ownership on EVs goes down, which yep. it will, because there's fewer components to manufacture. Yeah. You know I mean? Just think think of the simplicity in the supply chain. How many components are in a transmission? How many components are in a transfer case? How many components are in yep. a, a modern Think of like like the Ford 6-7. like the most complicated engine. It has two separate cooling systems for different aspects of the engine. Yeah. I wonder if in 10, 15 years, we're going to get to the point where people just aren't going to be able to service these trucks. We're arguably already at that point because like... That's why people you rip take the to, def stuff off, and you got or you got to take it to because the it costs yeah. ten grand to replace. You know, by the time you're said and done with your pumps and your filter, you know, and, yeah. and everything, it's, it's a big really deal, expensive. It's a big um, deal. I welcome it with open arms. And the first time you you hit the skinny pedal on an <laughs> EV, <laughs> I
1: know. I just I just wish anyone that's listening that's feeling the EV hate, please just go for a test drive. Because <laughs> people think with with overlanding, you got to have all of this range, which is absolutely true. But if you look at like the Hummer EV, it has a 340 mile range. We decided to take one and to drive it across El Camino del Diablo. Now, El Camino del Diablo is the longest overland route in the continental United States. So that means it does not cross another paved road. It doesn't, the road name doesn't change. It doesn't go near any incorporated city. Most of the cell coverage that you have along the route is from. Mexico. It goes right along the border wall. It's 150 miles of dirt. Uh, so it's a very long, very remote multi-day adventure uh, across the desert. And we decided to take the Hummer EV and we did. We, we drove it from, we topped it off in Ajo. We actually stopped in a, in a little RV park. Well, because they have had 50, 50 amp. 50 amp service. Yeah. Charged it up overnight while we stayed in a hotel and got some good sleep. And then the next morning, we left early in the morning and we drove all day. In fact, we had so much range that we decided to take a couple little bypasses and, and other yeah. alternate routes up to Christmas Pass. And, and we left the AC and the HVAC running the entire time. So 11% of the range was consumed by climate control and keeping the batteries and motor drive units cool because it was okay. quite quite warm. It got to about 100 degrees uh, when we were crossing El Camino del
0: Diablo. So they have to cool the batteries, not just heat them. I know that lithium isn't supposed to charge below freezing. Yeah, it's both. Interesting.
1: And the motor drive units need to be cooled as well. So we were in deep sand, which the the highest consumption that we saw was in the deep sand, which, remember, this stuff... All of these physics apply to internal combustion engines too. So if you had your Land Cruiser and you're driving across El Camino del Diablo, your miles per gallon are going to decrease in deep sand, approximately the same amount that they decrease for an EV. And the same with towing. People say EVs can't tow. No, internal combustion engines, vehicles, they have the same towing impact, but you can just stop at more gas stations. And also to the fair point of internal combustion, you can fill up in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, whereas it, even on a rapid charger, you're talking 30 to 45 minutes. Interesting. So I
0: guess there's just so much capacity there. Cause doesn't the Hummer have like 130? It's, it's Gigante.
1: It is a giant battery pack. And not only is it a giant battery pack, but then they also decided to give it a lot of range, three hundred and forty miles of range. So it's an even bigger battery pack because of that choice as well. And it's like a brick going down the road, 35 inch tall tires. So yeah, it's, it needs all that range. The the
0: performance on it looks great. And it is great. Yeah. It's fast. It is the ugliest car I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely oh, no. terrible. It's the only car that I've ever decided not to drive purely because like, I'm just like, I'm walking into it. Like I already hate it. Like I'm not even going to give it the chance.
1: The thing that I don't like about the Hummer the most is that angled part of the bed so it takes away it's like the avalanche thing it it makes zero sense to do that functionally now they may do it for some aero consideration but it removes it removes the majority of the things that you want to do with a truck bed you you can't put a camper inside it you can't like what if you wanted to put a an at habitat or a go fast camper you can't do anything with it yeah they're really i don't understand and i don't think that the angle Thing does anything positive for the look either, because if you look at the SUV Hummer, it's a much more attractive vehicle. Do they have an SUV version they do. of it? They do. Mm. It's not out yet. It's coming soon, and there's pictures of it on the internet. It's very. It's they, a lot they, more handsome. So there's going to be people who really like the way oh that that looks. God. Now, for me, the Rivian was it was handsome and it was wasn't offensive. It was just like really elegant vehicle to drive and it was also it wasn't like soft looking it also had some handsome characteristics to it yeah, and,
0: and all of that i i think the rivian is functional but elegant like i really like the design of it i think the problem rivian's gonna have with their design is it's taking them so long true to get out they've got to be working on the next one they have it, to. it almost They're feels like to. the truck is a little i'm not saying that it's outdated that's not what i'm trying to say it's 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 very cool, but I think for you and I it is because we've been looking at them for a long time. Like when did they launch 2000?
1: Yeah, they they started getting renderings out in It's
0: 15, kind of like 16. the thing that happened with the Ford the the second generation Ford Raptor. Yeah. Is they launched the new F150 and they launched visually the Raptor as its, you know, halo aspirational car, but they didn't come out with it for like 2 years or something like that. So by the time you actually saw it, you were like, "That has been on every TV." Ford advertises the F one hundred and fifty really well because that's I mean it's the best selling vehicle in the world. Yep. I wonder if there's a little bit of the going on there with Rivian. It could be. I
1: I think it's mostly for you and I because I think it's for people who care about the brand or was interested in the brand from the beginning. We did really pay attention to that. Yeah. I think the average consumer, like when I meet people on the street when I'm driving the Rivian R one T. They are all just. They think it's the coolest thing they've ever seen, and they've never seen the one headlights before. look fantastic. Yeah. And, like they, they, and they and nailed the premium thing. They did it, it. It. I'm telling you. It well, and let's put it this way: it's the only time in do, and I've been doing this for 20 years. It is the only yeah. time I've t- I've tried to buy a test vehicle.
0: Yeah, I mean it's cool. It. And, and it's and Rivian, the only time. And Rivian as a company is cool. Like the people. The people behind Rivian, everybody that I've talked to is great. Like, I was just on the Rebel Rally. I did Rebel Rally last year with the whole Rivian yep. crew. They're all cool people. They they all get out there and do it. Like, they put their entire engineering staff through Bill Burke's four-wheel drive training. They do. They, they do, put yeah. all their people through that. Like, the vehicle works. It's really fast. I still can't get used to I mean, this is all EVs. I can't get used to the one-pedal driving. I like that. I get, I get a little car sick. I've got some inner ear thing going on. You do have to get used to it though. And as soon as you might, like if you, if you're at 30% throttle and you go to 27% throttle, that means the brakes are being applied. So you almost, and from what I found, I didn't drive as much as you did. You almost have to use like the, the adaptive cruise because it's kind of. Modulating things in the background that you are, you then don't have to micromanage. Yeah, and you may have had, you may have had the vehicle. I had it in the in the that there's two regions You had settings, the standard right? region I had the standard on. All
1: yeah. right. Yeah. So it does take some time to get used to that. Yeah. Um. It was,
0: it was very much a uh, yeah. Like, e- 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 so that's
1: one. E- that's one. E- that's EVs though. That's not Rivian. Well, the, that's one plus for the Hummer though. Oh. You can turn that off for the Hummer. It drives like a regular Tahoe. You what get com- in it. What a compliment! You get in it, and it's got a regular shifter, the one pedal drive you can turn on and off. In the regular drive mode, the the regen is very soft. Yeah, so you can't you can't adjust that. Now that we've driven the Lightning, we've driven the Rivian R one T, we've driven the Hummer. EV. The Lightning looks really good. What I like about the Lightning is it's every it's every person's pickup. Mm-hmm.
0: It is indistinguishable. It's a pickup truck. But it's electric, which I think is great. Like, yeah. I don't I don't need to wave the the flag. It's almost
1: indistinguishable from a standard F-150. Yeah. Like, you got to really know F-150s to mm-hmm. know that the front is different. It just looks like a new F-150. It drives like an F-150. It, the interior is like standard forward fare. Like, if someone hopped in it, they would, just wouldn't know. But it still goes zero to 60 in four seconds. But isn't,
0: isn't that kind of the future yeah, of EVs? Of course. Is, you know, we've we've figured out cars pretty well. And I think that we're looking at EVs as this, trying to sell this futuristic concept. Yeah. And in reality, it's just a different engine.
1: Yeah. And if we look historically in the beginning of the automotive age, it was EV versus internal combustion, yeah. even back then. Mm-hmm. So,
0: the first Mercedes-Benz was an electric vehicle. That's right.
1: This content is brought to you by Overland Journal our premium quality print publication. The magazine was founded in 2006 with the goal of providing independent equipment and vehicle reviews, along with the most stunning adventures and photography. We care deeply about the countries and cultures we visit and share our experiences freely with our readers. We also have zero advertorial policy and do not accept any advertiser compensation for our reviews. By subscribing to Overland Journal, you're helping to support our employee-owned and veteran-owned publication. Your support also provides resources and funding for content like you are watching or listening to right now. You can subscribe directly on our website at overlandjournal.com. These are the things that I've just kind of fallen in love with on the EVs. It's the silent operation. Oh yeah. So I do not need to act like a 10-year-old when I'm out in the dirt mm. off-road. I don't, to, I don't need it. I don't need it to scream. I don't need it to scream and howl and growl. I, don't, like, I like the fact that these cars are essentially silent. You do kind of hear the, the tires. A mechanical
0: noise. Um, a little
1: bit of tires crunching on the dirt and things like that. But you'll find that you see way more wildlife because it's super quiet. Your fatigue goes down. You just end up feeling more a part mm. of the nature experience, which I, I really like. So I love the, the silent operation. Uh, they're also incredibly cheap to fill up. So we have the capability of filling these EVs here at the office. And to go from 20% to 100% costs $17.82 on the Rivian. Yeah, that's not bad. If that had a twin turbo V6 or whatever a car like that would have in it in the modern age and a 20 something gallon fuel tank, at the prices that we're at today for fuel, you're $130, $140 to fill it up. I remember. $17.80.
0: I, I like added, I got I got the new iPhone. Yeah. Which is, eh, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know. I don't know about that. That's a different story. But I re-added all my credit cards to it. And I realized now that when you go to the gas station, like they used to pre-authorize for like 50 yep. or 75 or maybe 100 when gas prices would go. 250 is what yep. they're authorizing now. Yep. Because it, it pops up on like the, you throughout Apple Amazon Pay or, or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, we've got so many factors that are p- going to push us towards EVs, right? They're going to be simpler to manufacture once. I mean, the supply chain's there. It just needs to get beefed up. Yep. There's just fewer components. They're cheaper to make.
1: Currently, half of the service and maintenance costs.
0: Yeah. Going to be cheaper to maintain. They're going to be cheaper to fill up. So you're going to start seeing he who makes the first affordable electric car will win yeah you know i always use la as this example people don't leave la with their cars not really it takes hours to do so right they're only usually and they may spend hours in their car but they may be traveling 40 miles round trip none of that makes sense for a gas vehicle you know i know that they have some grid problems and whatever but you know you can power they have
1: real grid problems
0: yeah but you know the next thing You know, people will spend 30 grand to remodel a bathroom these days like it's nothing. You know, that's what it costs to do a Tesla. We're doing a Tesla home battery and a nine kilowatt hour array. We already have some solar on our house, so we're going to increase it. But we don't need to do as much. I think it's twenty seven thousand dollars. That's a big chunk of money. But for as long as I own that house, I think the panels have a 20 year warranty. I won't have an electric bill that includes charging two EVs in like practical, normal use. You're not draining them to zero every day. I think that the low cost to fill was really impressive to me.
1: It's just... And I also found that there were there's so many hotels that you can charge at for free, particularly in Arizona. There's a lot of APS-sponsored charging stations. There's lots of like little... The small little towns that you go through, a lot of times, like the visitor centers will have chargers on them and they're free. They're (laughs) free to charge. I found that to be the case... Uh, the charging infrastructure is still a huge problem, though. That's, yeah. Let's just get that
0: out there very clearly. But in if Prescott, it's terrible.
1: Yeah. If you're trying to tow something with one of these EVs, it's a real problem. So like for me, I can't even get to the sailboat and back here because there's no place to charge quickly along the way. So I have to go from here, from Prescott to Lake Roosevelt and then from Lake Roosevelt I have to go down to Phoenix to hit a fast charger to even make it worthwhile. Fast chargers
0: are game changers. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're so fast. You know, I think that's one of the things that so fast. You know, there's the range of the vehicle and then there's then there's how quickly they go from like twenty to eighty percent like uh to
1: seventy. As things start to slow down around seventy percent, depending on the car. But if I if I go from ten percent to seventy percent took thirty three minutes. Thirty-three minutes is all it took at the fast charger in Phoenix. So it's, again, this is my use case. Some people will find that really frustrating to have to wait 33 minutes. It is not frustrating to me at all because I'm sitting there. I can do work. I just break out my iPad. I answer a bunch of emails. It's no problem at all. Yeah, and your AC is running while you're yep, in there. It's super comfortable or I can walk, walk in and have a lunch mm. or whatever like that. It's no big deal. The other thing that's really important to note is the performance of these things. Like Mental. It, they the the Rivian zero to sixty in three and a half ish seconds. The Hummer EV zero to sixty in three point three seconds. Sometimes you can get a little bit faster in the Watts for Freedom mode, the WTF mode, which I kind of love. It's it's mental fast. Like it's yeah. cra- it's so fun to, to like it's nine thousand something pounds and it's like literally peeling your face off of your skull. <laughs> it's so fast. Now you know fast cars, Matt, and and I don't. Yeah. So like for me, it feels like. It's like my brain is melting. It's so fast. You've no doubt experienced much faster than that, but it's so fast. It's so fast.
0: It's. I, I think it's to a degree a little bit of a party trick. Fast, like it's a different kind of fast. It's
1: because there's no transmission. There's no shifting. It's just like violent.
0: As an opinion of of mine, I haven't really found an EV that I enjoy to drive. Even the Rivian, huh? Yeah, you know, I didn't. I didn't. It was that one pedal drive thing. It was huh? the one pedal drive. I have to say, like, I thought the steering this is a pickup truck, yeah. right? This is not a car that's designed to have, you know, it's not a Porsche. Now, the the one EV that I actually did like was the Taycan. I test drove mm. one of those. It drove like a Porsche. It drove great. It was electric. I think they focus more on the driving experience. I just think that with a lot of these ones, yeah, they're fast. And it's like, hey, look over here. It's really, really fast. Don't focus on otherwise average driving experience. like. Right. But how much of that is me adapting to, EVs. Things are different. They are. You don't you get, get used to them. How a car drives is just drastic. How, how these things drive is drastically different.
1: Yeah. I just found myself absolutely.
0: Loving. I mean, you just want to like stab the gas all the time and it's like, Kee-hee, yeah. Kee-hee.
1: I just found myself absolutely loving it. I mean, you just, yeah, you roll up at a stop sign and here's a guy in a WRX STI and you're just thinking, I really want to race this guy because he has no idea what's about no to happen. Idea. No <laughs> idea. No idea. Like, I and mean, every once in a while they bite and it's just like, they don't even stand a chance.
0: Well, like if we talk about fast cars, right? So yeah, I've had some fast cars. It's not necessarily the internal combustion engine that has really revolutionized current vehicles to make them super fast. Horsepower helps with lap times. Yeah. So, I mean, But handling is paramount there yeah, and traction sure. and aero and that kind of stuff. But it's transmission technology that yeah. has, it's the launch control. So when you see something that does zero to 60 in two whatever seconds, that's like fumbling through modes, putting in a launch control, you know, foot on the brake as hard as you can, revving it up, and then it just takes off like a rocket. You can't just, if you just lay on the gas on a lot of these cars they're going to be nowhere near their quoted times. Yeah. Now with EVs, it's just like, I want to go. It's mental. Just go. You just literally, you put the gas yeah. down and it goes, Yeah. you know, I mean, they are, they kind of make you giddy. Like I, like I had my whole family in the Rivian and I'm like, you guys got to see this. Just, and they were all,
1: they couldn't stop laughing. It I think so a Rivian,
0: fun. like if you put a Rivian on like the, you know, the streets of, Hollywood or wherever, there's a lot of supercars. I, I, I think just like casual, like, oh, boom, we're going to, we're going to hit it. We're going to go. I think the Rivian's going to smoke a lot of stuff. They're so fast and they're just so fast. So easy. The speed is so easy. Sure. But it almost feels like a gimmick. Um, we don't need pickup trucks that do zero to 60 in three seconds. And we maybe need pickup trucks that can tow, that can tow, that yeah. can work, that have increased range. I'm just curious. No, that's true. And I think how that the engineering works on that. Like there's that's probably a sweet spot of batteries and engine size and there probably for efficiency. Is.
1: And I, I think that's part of what I liked about the F-150 is it was very good range. It was lower power, like it still was like four seconds. It's still so fast. Still going to smoke a raptor. Yeah, it's still so fa- it's still so fast. But it's the performance overall. And then for the the Rivian on the dirt, it is a a wonderful vehicle to drive on the trail. Uh, so is the Hummer. Uh, the Hummer's bigger, so the Hummer yeah. is wider. It's actually more agile because of the rear steering. Mm. So I actually found the Hummer in some instances was. Easier to drive. Rear steering can be such a game changer. It is. It's very cool. Um, The crab walk is super fun. It's totally a parlor trick, but there are times when you can use it. But the rear steering is really critical because of the size of the Hummer. But for me, like if you're in the open desert, the Hummer's perfect. Mm. But like I took the Rivian up to the South rim of the Grand Canyon and the trail that Bruce and I needed to take, I mean, there were inches of clearance at times with
0: the Rivian. well, The Rivian's is the perfect size. I, I would agree. It's first gen tundra size. Yes, I would agree. And if, and if it's you literally, literally pick up perfect trucks, size, you You go and you're like, that is the pickup truck that you want. Yeah. It's just old now.
1: Yeah, it's just literally it's literally the perfect size. I don't remember the the width on it specifically, but it was, if you look at the dimensions of a Rivian, it's kind of like first gen Tundra, which arguably is like the perfect truck it's size. A little
0: bigger Tacoma. It's yeah. a little bit smaller than in all of the, you know, the, the full size trucks now share, basically they share a cab. Yeah. So you're really just getting into bed length is, yep. is kind of the differentiating factor. For
1: sure. Yeah. So the performance on the dirt is actually really, nice because the Rivian has four different motors. It has, each wheel is controlled by a motor. It has a a lot of ground clearance. It has airbag suspension. It's actually fairly long travel. We, we achieved nearly a 500 RTI ramp score, which is, if you look at the list of stock vehicles,
0: it's in the top 25%. Yeah. Um, so it's really, it's not, and imagine what they can do to that platform. Like when you sit underneath it, you kind of realize like, oh, if they want to put 37s on this, yep. how it's designed, it's a matter of where some components are welded. And it's really cool. Like what if there's a Raptor version of the Rivian, you know, like the, the go fast. They'll come up with it. I'm sure. I mean, they can't make enough right now because yeah, they're selling right. too many. That's right. Yeah. Um, they are,
1: they are, they are making a ton of them. Well, and speaking of tire size. So, the one thing that I don't like about the Rivian is the 20-inch wheels. They are too big of a diameter even though the, the tires are actually almost 34 inches in diameter, yeah. which is a big tire. Mm-hmm. The tire diameter to wheel diameter uh, ratio is not is not enough. So typically what we want for off-road performance is we want the tire diameter to be twice the wheel diameter. So if you have a 17-inch wheel, you want a 34-inch, 35-inch tall tire. Yeah. That's when you start to get into Optimal off road performance characteristics, flotation, deformation, all of those things that we we really look for off road. So, when you end up with a 20 inch wheel, you should have a 40 inch tall tire on there, and it's nowhere near that diameter. So, you can only air down so much, which is really important in these EVs because they're very heavy. So, the Hummer got that right. They have an 18 inch wheel and a 35 inch tall tire. So, they're very close to that sweet spot. So, you end up with a lot more deformation. When we did El Camino del Diablo, we actually chose not to air down the whole time to gain some additional range and efficiency, but we could have aired down. And and in hindsight, I would have preferred to have Mm. aired down. The ride quality would have improved a little bit. I would like to see these larger diameter tires because the Achilles heel of EVs off-road, and this is where everybody listening needs to hear this because it, it is a real problem, is ledges and large rocks. So, people talk about the torque of an EV motor, right? The Hummer says it has 11,000 foot-pounds of torque, which is, it's a calculation of the torque of the motor and the gearing and everything else. Like yeah,
0: that. I wonder but if you did the same thing on like a… It's still huge. like A if, diesel truck and you it's calculate huge. it through the transmission. Yeah, and it all doesn't the make the, the
1: Hummer torque number look all that impressive when you compare the two. It has a lot of torque. Yeah. But… It doesn't. And they say, oh, it develops it from zero. It does not develop it from zero. It develops from one. That's correct. So getting from zero to one. Now think about how we normally climb a ledge in Moab or a large rock with an internal combustion vehicle. If we have a clutch, we're modulating the clutch a little bit. We're forcing that front tire to start to deform and press into the rock so it can climb up it. If we have an automatic transmission, we're left foot braking, we're forcing that tire face Into the rock or into the ledge so that it can start to climb straight up it. And the rear tires are pushing the tire face into it and it's all allowing it to climb up very slowly and controlled over the ledge. An EV cannot do that. Mm. It doesn't work. Anybody who tells you otherwise hasn't driven one, it doesn't work. If you push the tire up against it, if it's a ledge or a large rock, it will go to watt, wide open throttle, and it will not work. The car, like the rear tire might start to spin a little bit. Or you're just going to break traction in the rear, but it will not climb that ledge or that rock. It won't do it. So, the only way you can get up and over the rock is you got to kind of bounce it. So, now you are bouncing a 9,000, 10,000, 8,500 pound EV up against a rock face, and something's going to break. The CVs are going to break, the the tie rod ends are going to break, the Hummer and the Rivian have both experienced tie rod end issues and rack issues because you cannot slowly mm. climb the ledge or the rock like we would with something with an automatic or something with a clutch. It
0: doesn't work. So you got to bounce it. And when you bounce it, I wonder how like break. the addition of like a, like a low range or something would, would affect that.
1: What my thought was, um, and I'm going to put this out there free to the world. I think I've got the solution is that they need to incorporate a torque converter and the torque converter only has to be open, unlocked for those situations where you say, like, you press rock crawl mode. Yeah. It opens up the torque converter and it allows the electric motor hmm. to spin up so that it can generate power and then help you get you up and over have the opposite. a
0: certain amount of clutch slipping in a differential yep. or Ex- center differential. Exactly. Or Just something. allow for yeah.
1: a little bit of slipping. Um, and it could be in a torque converter or it could be in a clutch pack that, that had a lot of durability to it. And then it can get locked back up again as soon as you start moving. Mm. Um, but it, in these rock crawl modes or in, when you're in rock crawling situations, the EVs do not work as well as internal combustion. And it's actually a bit of a liability. It's the same with the Hummer. The Hummer is slightly better at it than Mm. the Rivian because the Hummer has a front differential lock. Interesting. And then it has a rear virtual locker, which says to the vehicle, turn the two rear motors at At the the same same speed. Whereas the the Rivian is trying to be clever and it's trying to figure out like, how much can I send here? The Rivian needs in rock crawl mode at low Mm. speeds. It needs to give power to all of the motors to help it kind of climb up and over. And the other thing, the other advantage the Hummer has is it has one huge motor in the front. Yeah. So, it makes more power when it's just getting going. And then they've also tuned it. You know, the Hummer engineers know that this is a problem. So, they try to give it maximum current to help it get up and over the obstacles. So, the Hummer does work better. Well, we're gen one on a lot of these things. Yeah. So, that's something that people need to be aware of is that uh, ledges and rocks. I think the other thing too is… EV, and this might be why a lot of people are frustrated with EVs. They're just not approachable. Like they're you got to spend a hundred and something thousand dollars to get one. Yeah. And then think about like the the small family that wants to get an EV and they want to buy one used. So they buy an a seven or an eight-year-old EV. What's the big surprise they're gonna have
0: very, very soon? Batteries. Battery pack. Mm. And a battery pack. A lot of these battery packs from my research. I mean, they're talking 500,000 miles, 600,000 miles.
1: I would hope so, but the warranties are only like eight years, some or yeah. 10 years. Yeah,
0: I mean, you know, a modern internal combustion engine has no problems going 500,000 yeah. miles. They regularly do. But, you know, at what point do you exceed the, the longevity of so many other components? Yeah. I think there's a lot of hyper-focus on the battery.
1: Maybe it's not an issue. When I looked at it, it, it made me think, like what about like right now? If you were to buy a ten-year-old Tacoma, yeah, you've got a vehicle that's going to give you probably if you wanted another twenty years of service.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And and there are Erector sets, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So I think the EV, like you said, the first person that comes out with a low-cost, uh, accessible, yeah,
0: EV, and it'll be it'll be Hyundai. Well, I mean, and already is kind of Hyundai, Kia, that kind of thing. I think I think they'll we, do well with that as we see the supply chain mature. Yeah, you know, I mean, EVs have also become kind of had this this big moment during the pandemic. Yeah. When supply chains are just messed up in general for everybody. Sure. You know, so they can't they can't produce enough cars. I mean, what was it Ford? they can't sell f 150s for they couldn't for a little bit because they couldn't get the badges <laughs> to put on the front. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just kind of shows I think they sold out
1: twenty twenty three model year on the lightning. I mean yeah, they just yeah. like they're and, just sold and, and out.
0: not taking orders. Yeah. They're just sold there's out there's a lot of people out there that want them. You know, for us, we want electric cars because we are devoted Greyhound parents (laughs) and we live in Arizona, which means half of the year, it's, it's pretty warm. Yep. Um, not as warm as it is in Phoenix for us here in Prescott, but, um, it is warm. It's warm. You can't leave a pet inside a vehicle. I mean, even at 60 degrees, it's bad news bears and we have a very sensitive little boy. Yeah, sure. (laughs) These pet modes. Yeah, that's super cool. That all these things have. Is crazy. You know, you want to go into the shops or you want to like, you know, go to dinner or you want to do whatever. Boop. Press a button. It's climate controlled. You know, a friend of mine was sleeping in the R1S at, at Rebel. She used 10 miles of range to run the air conditioning all night. She just slept in the back of the R1S. Yep.
1: That's nothing. It's nothing.
0: I had AC in the Earth Roamer, but I'm literally having to idle the engine when it's 105 degrees all day everything's hot it's only 80 degrees at night or something where she's just next to me and
1: the other thing that's super cool that the rivian has is camp mode oh yeah yeah so that's what she was in yeah so when when you are sleeping in the r1s or when you have like a small roof tent on the back of an r1t like i had it configured you just push a button and it because it's air four corner air suspension it levels the car yeah. So, like, you get into this uneven campsite, and you just push the button, and it—I mean—it has a huge amount of travel. Yep. So, I'm sure that it would level even a very awkward
0: angle. Uh, pretty impressive. I, I think that it's just the the future of EVs and the things that you're able to then do with them. You know, a lot of EVs to support the weight, they have air suspension, so yep. they're able they're able to do certain things. I think the the Rivian's actually hydraulic, right? It's air. Is it air? Yeah, it's air.
1: It Maybe it's air over hydraulic, but you hear the pump running.
0: Okay, the air pump. Running. Yeah, it, and then it has
1: a built-in air compressor.
0: Too. Yeah, from a guy that works in the automotive aftermarket, I'm I'm really interested. You know, you're starting to see on internal combustion side and on EV side these kind of more specifically optioned modified vehicles coming straight yeah. from the factory. Yeah, like I know with the Rivian, you can you know you can air up your tires. It'll it'll stop at whatever PSI you want. I think the the Defender does that too. Yep. It's super clever. It works great,
1: and the kit's really nice too. Like everything on the Rivian, like all these touch points are like they thought about it. So it's not the like super cheap hose. It's like a heavy duty hose with really good connectors.
0: Yeah. And yeah. So it's I think Rivian they know their market. Yeah. You know, if I was to put my genie hat on, I would have to think that you know that Rivian they're highly intelligent people, and they're going to look at the market and they're going to say, well, Ford's going to do an F one fifty. And Ford's mm-hmm. probably going to stick to their plan of make a pickup truck that's electric and you're going to have X amount of levels and they're going to be going after fleet sales and whatever. Or I think Rivian went after, I don't know, creatives, people that are maybe a little bit more aesthetically, just a more premium customer. And I think that they nailed it head on.
1: Yeah, or somebody who wants to go fly fishing or somebody who wants
0: to, who's it's a mountain a, biker. It's, it's a, perfect. I wouldn't say that it's like a, an overly luxurious interior on it. It's perfect for me, but it's perfect. Yeah, for I, I do wish that there was a few more buttons. I, I love, I, I love. It. Yeah, I know that's maybe. That's, I'm so sold. That's
1: my gripe. It's you like know? it's just the most simple, elegant. Correct me if I'm under- wrong, but I don't, I don't remember like a volume knob. There's not no volume knob. Oh, well, well, there drives. is on the steering wheel, though. Yeah, you roll it on the steering wheel and it goes up and down. The passenger just does it on the touchscreen, which did take me a little while to figure out. So there. The, the UI on the Rivian does take a little bit of getting used to. Yeah. Um, and so,
0: no CarPlay, no yeah, Android Auto. Exactly.
1: So we, we have to bash on the Rivian a little bit to be fair to the Hummer thing. No CarPlay, which means no Gaia, no Onyx is running. It's
0: just kind of like, like I don't have they a gotta, problem with their system, but I'm just like... You got to have CarPlay. Because it's just like, you know, your phone is like an extension of you. Yeah. And if you can't, I don't know. I mean, like it's, it's one of those things <laughs> that you don't necessarily need. I think that but I use it all the time. but like, it would be a, it would be a, a ding against the Rivian for me, a pretty big one. Yeah, I think um, the, the lack of car play. Uh, there are two buttons. There's a hazards button and there's yeah. the
1: SOS button that does like a on-star kind of yeah call. And also like again, to be fair, we have to talk about the things on the Rivian. The one, the one thing on the Rivian that's absolutely hilarious is the charge door. It's the most unnecessarily complex. It's like it's like when the the Russians needed to write in space, they just used a pencil. Oh, and we yeah. spent we spent billions of dollars or millions of dollars to develop a on a, on a, on a zero gravity pen. It's the most unnecessarily complex charge like... Jar. Yes, it, it's like, a trapeze it like it like goes out and open. But here's the problem: is the touch sensitive trigger for it is on the fender flare, which means if you have any trail damage, you aren't going to get your door open. Yeah, and then and then when mud and other things hit it, like so, I'm going down this muddy trail and this the mud splatters across the fender flare, mm-hmm. and here comes open the, the charge door. And oh then, no! And then you go through a car wash. Charge door. Merk. Charge is open. Get ripped off. Now, so if you go times. into if you go into car wash mode, oh, it, won't, it won't do that. that. It won't do that. And I also like I'm like I'm going to end up on YouTube because of this car trying to go through a car I wash. Have a button. Yeah, well, just, just it, put a button inside it, it, it. does. It does have like the car wash mode, but it didn't exactly work. Like I activated it, and then the thing went back into park, and you know the rollers are trying to get me, and it's like the car's bouncing inside the car wash, and I'm like I'm going to end up dead yeah you're, you're gonna I'm, drown i'm gonna drown in this drown <laughs> just, in just, car i was just convinced that i was gonna end up on the nightly news
0: of like this car sideways in the america's you know. funny as somebody <laughs> exactly you're gonna end up on Infowars. electric car tries to kill man <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah so like the the charge door is so unnecessarily complex just put a hinge on it push it in and it pops
0: open yeah. and it works the complexity. Like what about ice? Like, it, yeah, like that's what I think. Like I'm from, I'm from the suburbs of Chicago and, and we'd get, I remember these ice storms as a kid where like you'd go outside and you have like a quarter inch of ice on your yeah. car. Like how is that gonna, even the
1: windows with the mud, they were like starting to stop and go and up and down. Yeah. And then the, the center console, instead of just having like the most simple mechanical latch, it's got like a button that you push. That oh, makes a suggestion that. to the car that maybe you open the center console or maybe you don't. I can't figure out what you have to do to make it work. Yeah. Other than when I'm driving along, it works it's, every it's time. It's
0: gadgety. It's gadgety. Yeah. And, and I, think I think avoid some those things. people like that.
1: But I think for the most part, you got to avoid them for real use
0: scenarios. Me I mean, you can't
1: buy any of these cars. They're like, hard. They're hard to. Well, I tried to buy one and I couldn't get one.
0: So. My buddy, my buddy, Kevin put an order in. I want to say November. And I think he's looking at like end of next year. Yeah. At November of 2020. Yeah. Sorry. R1S. I'm like, I'm sold. I'd love one but you pretty much have to buy one used from somebody that's flipping it and yep. you know you're looking 20 25 over sticker yep. which sounds bad but I will tell you in the premium car space right now and now this is waning that is not unusual yeah. like if you want a if you want a new G-Wagon if you want a G63 I've seen 200 over sticker yeah like that was early in the pandemic right now 50 to 100 let's not even talk Porsche's that's crazy this is normal it's a weird way of kind of getting around it. At least they're not overcharging people. Yeah. How did it work for the, the Hummer thing? Like they're selling them through GM D, GMC dealerships. GMC. And it was kind of separate from the dealer in a way, wasn't it? Because they were kind of...
1: Yep. So they did online ordering, uh, which this is... I mean, anybody that's in the car dealership business should be very concerned about their future because,
0: you know, 50% more reliable. If there's 50% as many problems, the dealer model either runs on just huge volumes or it runs on service. That's right. What happens when your car is more reliable and it doesn't need service?
1: It doesn't need an oil change.
0: There's no reason to come in. How are they going to upsell little old ladies on blinker fluid? (laughs) You know, one of the stereotypes of millennials, we don't like to talk on the phone. We just want stuff kind of automated. We don't want to have to deal with it.
1: And that's the Rivian. You go onto the Rivian. Rivian. You go onto the Rivian and that's website. Tesla. That's that's. You, be- you book your car, and when it's done, you can either go to the service center and have a bespoke experience delivery experience or they can bring it to you on a flatbed and they unload it in your driveway yeah. they help you set up the charger
0: i mean it is walking through is the car and you're done like the future totally you know totally. Um, at least at least of new car stuff and and i'm you know there's there's other I new cars that. that are doing that the same thing it. like lucid yep. lucid cars are crazy i've seen those at during car week and in, in monterey and they had them at the velocity invitational uh, ran over the weekend it's the pace car for like F1 cars going around Laguna Seca and it's those things don't move slow. Yeah. That thing, that thing boogies. Yeah. But it's the same thing. Order in the line, shows up at your door. Like, I just don't think people want to play the game anymore. I know. and I know.
1: It's going to be interesting to see how that all works. And if you look at, at lightnings, they're sold out. They're all ordered pre-order. And, and
0: didn't Ford do a similar thing where you, you know, you ordered online you and it will get delivered through the dealer, That's but right. price is already negotiated. That's right. You know, I know a lot of these dealers had to do what they had to do to survive. Yeah. Know?
1: It's just not going to be that model anymore. It's not going to work.
0: I think electric cars are leading in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just so excited. I'm excited for the future of EVs. Yep. You know, there's been a lot of rumors going around in the future of like the Ram HD platform. Yep. And there's been grumbling it's about them being the first to come to market with solid state batteries right now batteries are all individual cells you mm-hmm. know riveted or spot welded or, or however they're attaching them together solid state batteries is, is essentially one big thing and there's been these rumors of a it's gonna be diesel generator range extender i know it'd be amazing so you get that you get the diesel dude that can go wherever he wants and he's got a. 10 gallon tank or 20 gallon tank running this thing you know jeep has just announced their new smaller sub wrangler that will be an ev i'm so excited for that because it's like the right size it's like looks like it's cherokee sized yep um xj sized be interesting to see how they solve the rock ledge problem yeah how jeep solves um you know i wonder if it is through some kind of transmission like porsche on the tycon actually has a two-speed transmission on the rear axle obviously higher speeds All-wheel drive doesn't necessarily have as much of a benefit. Sure. So that front motor will kind of, I don't know how it works. I don't know if the one's driving the other, but. Also look at that. So the,
1: if you wanted to buy something that was electric. Yeah. That you didn't have to worry about range. You can do that. You can go buy a Jeep Wrangler, 4xe, a Rubicon. The thing can go on EV only range when you're running around town. Yeah,
0: like 20 or 30 miles.
1: And it's It's more than.
0: It's the best selling electrified vehicle in the United States right now, because it's awesome. Four by e,
1: it's awesome. And the I had the Grand Cherokee four yeah. by e. I absolutely enjoyed it. I was able to drive from home to work and plug in here at the office. I used no fuel. But yep. then, if I wanted to go on a road trip, I had a six hundred
0: mile range. Yeah, that stuff. It like I'm super interested right now in that that the electrified vehicles and yep. maybe where we are for the you know a lot of the guys that listen to this podcast is. Electrified is here. I I have to say, I'm like super tempted by a four by e. I just know that cool vehicle. We're probably what are we 2019? They refresh the Wrangler every five years. I mean, going back to time immortium, that's been their their product cycle. So I'm kind of like, I'm curious to see what comes next. But we are undoubtedly looking at in the next two to three years a totally electric Wrangler. Yep, which I can't wait to see how. they Can you imagine just having the top down on a Wrangler? with half doors in Yellowstone, driving through, seeing the animals and there's no noise. I mean- It's perfect. Moab with yeah. no like hot, cause you know like you, you have the top off and you, you feel the, the heat of the engine and all that stuff. Yeah. Like I know I'm being, Pedantic right now, but to have that EV, the different level of engagement that you would have, I love. I love the I'm science like, of it. I, I'm I'm super into it. So.
1: so there we go, guys. We have just given you the Matt and Scott brain dump on mm. EVs. The Ford F one hundred and fifty Lightning, not really something you want to take off road. The Hummer is the most off road capable in technical terrain. Yeah, and the Rivian, in my mind, is the best all rounder uh, by yeah. a wide margin, and so much so that I even tried to buy the test vehicle. It was so
0: close. If I could go get a Rivian right now, like an R1S would work perfect for me. I'd have one. Done deal. Yeah, there you go.
1: All right. We thank you all for listening and we'll talk to
0: you next time.